as you've heard if you were listening, <laughs> the reading today is taken from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. And if you are looking in the church Bible, it's on page 1138. Paul's letter to the Romans. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's in giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hello again. Well, growing up is never easy. We know that because you hold on to what you were and you worry about what's to come. Well, this week in church we held the Oak Meadow School Leavers Service in which we marked the fact that Year 6 are moving on to a new chapter in their lives, a new school. And it was a great celebration. One of the most meaningful parts was a PowerPoint presentation about the favourite Year 6 memories of their time at Oak Meadow. Not one of their memories was about academic achievement, progress or levels. They didn't get a mention. None of the memories spoke of enjoyment of a particular subject. You would not be surprised to hear, I'm sure. It was all quite striking. Instead, they spoke of funny or memorable events. Rude noises in PE, got to mention, as did getting in trouble at Year 5 camp. It just shows, actually. I found it really interesting. Uh, all the focus on achievement these days, actually, it was the experiences the children had. And uh, I'm sure you can all take heart in that. Please, teachers, take heart from that. But... As we each grow up, we take with us valuable experiences and we take with us those relationships that matter, that count. Today in our sermon series, as you've heard, uh, we're thinking about discipleship again, but we're thinking about the need to grow up, moving on to maturity as followers, disciples of Jesus. And we're going to do this with the help of Paul's letter to the church in Rome. The extract that Joan read for us, we're going to look at, and in that extract, 
that whole uh, passage, the paragraph that follows, is answering um, like an imaginary question for Paul. So Paul's saying, well, if you'd have asked this question, this would be my answer. And the question is this. In response to God's mercy shown to us, how should we live? How do we press on into Christian living? How do we take our share, Paul, of responsibility for growth in faith? How do we mature? How do we grow up? And so Paul is essentially giving the Roman Christians a sack full of practical advice. And we're going to look at four key aspects of this practical advice to enable us all to continue to grow up and move on to maturity. So the starting point then, and we've hinted at this already in the service today, is, of course, this, in view of God's mercy. And if you've got the Bible open in front of you, you'll see that in chapter 12 of Romans, verse 1, in view of God's mercy. As Christians, all we are and all that we do must be in response to all that God has done for us in Jesus. Here Paul is referring to the mercy that he's highlighted in the verses, in the paragraphs leading up to the part that we are looking at today. He's been exploring what mercy looks like, what God's mercy is actually like. And so he makes this point. As Christians, our obedience, the lives we live, every thought and every action and every word is in response to all that God has done for us. Our basic motive in everything is gratitude for God's overwhelming goodness towards us. Everything we're about, the whole of our lives are centered around, are motivated by God's mercy. This means then that the path to maturity is walked by responding to God's loving mercy, not simply through a desire to better ourselves through moral superiority or legalistic control. Not that Christians do any of that, of course, least of all any of us in Christ Church, Baston Hill. Instead, we grow up as Christians simply by living out our daily response to God's grace. So then, in every bit of life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, our responses, our behavior, our, th- our thoughts, can all flow out of God's amazing love shown to us in Jesus. What we say and do at the family barbecue, in the stressful meeting, in the shop, at the gym, in the lounge, in the bedroom, on the telephone, can all be a response to God's mercy. But of course, for this to happen, we need to have had an experience of God's mercy in Christ. We need to know the difference that that mercy makes. We need to allow it to transform our hearts and our minds. I love the musical Les Miserables. Uh, When I was uh, one of the teachers uh, who was at Sixth Form College, when I was at Sixth Form College, used to uh, give me a lift because he lived two doors away from us. And he used to give me a lift to Sixth Form College every day. And every day we had to listen to Les Miserables in the car. Because about then it had just come out and, you know, and they, he went to see it every other week, it seemed like, in, in uh, London. But anyway, but he loved it. And I came to love it and I, I really appreciated it. Not at eight o'clock in the morning, I have to say. But anyway, but it was a lovely thing. And I really began to like it a lot. But in the musical, when Valjean is caught fleeing 
with the bishop's stolen silver. The bishop vouches for Valjean and actually gives him more valuable still. He tells him, actually, you've left the most valuable behind, and he tells him to have it. So as it's one of my favorite parts of the musical, let's watch it. I'm going to turn the lights off, and then we're going to watch it. What an act of mercy that is. And so the mercy Valjean experiences changes his life. And he vows this, that a new story must begin. One in which he lives in view of God's mercy, the mercy he's received. For each one of us, a new story must begin. In which we live in response to the mercy we've received. Today, I encourage each of us to ask God to reveal his mercy to us in a fresh way so that we can live out our response to it in every bit of life. Secondly, then, the second piece of practical advice Paul gives his readers is this. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Again, that's in verse 1 of chapter 12. Now, we know that God inhabits our bodies, that he makes them his home. When Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he told them that we're God's temple and that God's spirit lives in us. One of the amazing truths of the incarnation is that God chose to take a human body for himself. So God's more than happy to accept the offering of our bodies. Paul tells us, therefore, to take your body, all the tasks that you do each day, Take the things that you do um, in every bit of life, the everyday activity of the hospital, the school, the office, the boardroom, shop and university, as well as the meals around the dining table, the conversations at the bar in the pub, the lovemaking in the bedroom, the Skype conversation to Australia, and offer it all as an act of worship to God. Genuine worship is offering your body or more accurately, your whole self. True worship is not just the offering of prayers, songs, hymns, and sermons, however meaningful, however revered they might be. Real worship is offering the whole of ourselves, everyday life, not simply worshipy activity in a church building. Church may be a place where we can offer dedicated attention to God, to give to him and receive from him. But Paul makes it very clear that the whole world, too, is a temple of the living God. We can say, I'm going to church to worship God. But we should also be able to say, I'm going to the family birthday party. I'm going to the supermarket, the factory, the school, garden centre, field and mountain. In a number of churches and chapels around the country, there is a sign above the inside of the door that you read as you're leaving the building. And it says this, you are now entering a place of worship. You're now entering a place of worship. I've put these signs on our doors this morning so you can read them as you go out. So watch for them. Watch for those signs as you leave the building and be reminded you are now entering a place of worship. The world is a place of worship to the living God. But to offer our whole selves in worship demands a radical change in us. 
And Paul says this, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. You'll read that in verse 2. Don't shape your lives around the changing fashions and fads of society. Don't just take on board the ways of the world without grasping whether or not they fit with God's kingdom values. To offer ourselves and our everyday activity to God means that we need to live lives that reflect God's ways. Instead of being shaped by society, instead of changing our outward appearance and our behaviour to suit our surroundings, Paul tells us to be transformed inwardly, our personality, our very essence. This transformation happens through sacrifice on the cleansing altar of self-giving by being Christ-centred and not self-centred. Paul, though, goes on to tell us that transformation also takes place through the renewing of our mind. With Jesus in our lives, we take on the mind of Christ. Our minds are made new as we're being made into a new creation. And then our character changes because we've had a change of our thinking and our minds are renewed. And so we're to offer our whole selves as living sacrifices. This is a pleasing act of worship to God. But the problem, though, with living sacrifices, according to Bishop Graham Cray, is that they are in the habit of climbing down off the altar. Don't we just? We all do it. We offer ourselves in some ways and at certain times. But we climb down from the altar once the heat gets turned up, once sacrifice begins to make us wince, when offering our whole selves becomes too much to ask. And that's why radical change within is an absolute necessity. It's not simply about controlling our outward appearance and behaviour. The church has attempted to do that for far too long. We need Jesus to make us new on the inside, within. Only then will we be able to move further along the path to maturity and to grow up to offer ourselves just as Christ offered himself so if that was the second piece of Paul's practical advice then the third piece of advice for maturity is this the need for humility towards one another Paul tells his readers to not think more highly of yourself than you ought but rather with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God's given you you'll see that in verse 3 what Paul means is this Instead of thinking more of ourselves than we should, we are to measure ourselves in terms of faith. So instead of focusing on the things that make us more superior to one another, better gifts, better skills, more money, bigger house, better job, better looks, more expensive clothes, more effective personality, we're to focus on the things in which we are on precisely the same level as everybody else in terms of faith we're all sinners all of us have struggles all need God's loving mercy all of us need the transforming power of Jesus in our lives that says Paul is sobering judgment and reveals that we're all on the same level recognizing that we all have a way to go on the path to maturity is it in itself a marker of maturity isn't it this kind of mindset is the key to humility. 
So in what ways do you and I need to realize afresh that in terms of faith, we stand on a level playing field with everybody else and with our brothers and sisters in Christ? Be encouraged to ask God to help you to see yourself in relation to others on the basis of faith and not on the basis of things that strip you of humility and actually clothe you with superiority. Allow God to change the way you view others and yourself. It will help you to grow up and will have a unifying effect on our church community. So then, a fourth and final piece of advice from Paul is this. We are one body of many members, all with different gifts to share. Now this is really crucial wisdom for maturity as a disciple. Traditionally, the church has given the impression that we show oneness as a body of Christ by doing the same thing at the same time, like we're doing now. But Paul says we're one body by expressing the gifts of the many members. That's how we express our oneness. Now, every one of us has a front line, a primary calling. It might be work, at home, amongst your family and friends. And we need to honour, celebrate and support one another in these things. But in addition, each of us is also called to serve one another in and through the life of the church. Because we belong to one another. So growing up as a disciple of Jesus requires that we each express the gifts God has given us. Even though we do this in different ways, in different places, at different times, and in different people, with different people. And in doing so, we're one and we're expressing our unity in that way. And so we use our gifts to share God's grace wherever life takes us. To grow the church in mission to encourage one another, to care for one another, to build friendships, and to equip one another. But as a gathered church community, it's not enough to come together to worship in one place. It's not enough to expect others to serve us and provide things for us or instead of us when we're not doing this for them or for others. We, each of us, have a responsibility to serve one another through the gifts we've been given. So to grow up, we each have to take our share of the responsibility for the life of our church and the way that we use the skills and the gifts that we've been given. So what are your gifts? Do you even know? I'm not talking about super spiritual gifts either. I'm talking about hospitality and making drinks and serving coffee. I'm talking about saying hello and giving people a warm welcome on the door. I'm talking about chatting with mums, dads or grandparents at Tiddlywinks. I'm talking about painting walls and fixing chairs. I'm talking about listening to and praying for those in need. Running the screen computer that Andy's done twice this morning. Operating the sound desk. Helping look after the crash corner. Being a leader in rock salt or wearing God's wellies. Taking home communion to the housebound. Running a stall at the school fair and chatting to members of the community taking responsibility for our finances, playing dominoes with other people at coffee in the living room, taking responsibility for our pastoral care team, leading a home group. Simple things that use your gifts and your time to help serve the church. 
Be encouraged to ask God to help you to make a commitment today, either to start using your gifts in and through our church, or to find out how you can, or else to recommit to use them in ways that you already do. So to finish then, it's not hard to see how responding to Paul's letter will help us move along the path to maturity. And if you'd like to grow up further in the faith, then I encourage you to do these four things today. Firstly, ask God to reveal his mercy to you in Jesus in a fresh way so that you can live out your response to that mercy each and every day. Ask Jesus, secondly, to make you new within, on the inside, to bring about the transformation you need to offer your whole self as an act of worship to God. Thirdly, ask God to help you to see yourself in relation to others on the basis of faith on a level playing field and not on the basis of things that strip us of humility and clothe us with superiority. And finally, fourthly, to ask God to help you to take your share of the responsibility for the life of our church and to use the gifts God's given you. Amen.